Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 146 of the Speaking Club podcast. My mum is really upset that COVID is preventing her from spending time with her children and grandchildren this coming Christmas. But I said to her, don't worry, mum, you'll see us all soon. And without thinking, she said, it's not that. It means I'm stuck alone with your father and I'm going to have to cook Christmas dinner for the first time in 20 years. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey, I hope you're all well and thanks for joining me again in this Thanksgiving week. And uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everyone in the US. I hope that you manage to have some great time with your family and fun and laughter despite this nasty COVID stuff that's happening. Just look after yourselves though and stay safe. So let me tell you about Marie Kondo. She's a tidying expert and I've been a fan of her for a while, even though when I first heard Tim Ferriss interviewing her a few years before I discovered her, I was like, what, really? People need help with folding? And so I started practicing when I eventually sort of came round to the idea of this. I started practicing her techniques, which was about 18 months ago. And I absolutely love the space, the calm and the good habits that it's created for me and my home. But this episode isn't a promo for Marie Kondo or folding your clothes or chucking out your books. It's about something that came up for me as I was working on a new story idea. I had a bit of a light bulb moment about some of the thoughts and beliefs that were holding me back. And so I thought I'd share them with you in case it helps you too. But more on Marie in a bit. But before I go into all of this, I wanted to let you know that the last Snackable Story Challenge of 2020 starts very soon. So if you're worried that your talks might be a bit dull or you want to get better at telling stories, then you'll love this. Each day you'll get training, coaching, support and accountability from me. And the coaching is live coaching as well to help you find your authentic stories, improve your storytelling skills and create an asset that will better engage your audience and grow your business. So if you like the sound of that, and you can find out more and grab your spot at saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge. Now, funnily enough, the idea for this episode was sparked by a story prompt similar to the ones that you get in the challenge. Because I use them myself to find my own story memories that I can use in talks, webinars, videos, lives and podcasts everywhere. So the question I was exploring, the story prompt I was exploring was this one. What is the wisest thing that you've ever heard from a family member and why? 
So I let my mind wander through my memories and a few things surfaced that I'd heard from my parents and grandparents. Things like, if your friend put her hand in the fire, would you do that too? Or, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Did your parents say similar things to you? And from my quick phone round to friends, it seems they, these sorts of things are quite popular amongst all parents, along with money doesn't grow on trees, that one. And I always wondered what olive farmers say to their kids instead of that one. Anyway, one piece of parental advice that surfaced for me that seemed to have more emotional attachment than the others was something my dad said after a school trip. So I was about seven years old and living in London in the city and my sister, who is only 11 months younger than me, and I had both gone on a school trip to a farm. Now, I can't actually remember much about the experience at the farm except for the end of the trip. As per the school trip clothing suggestions, mum had made us wear wellies and wet weather gear. And we'd finished up with a visit to the farm and we were making our way back to the coach. And because I'm incredibly competitive, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show last week, and I wanted to get one of the good seats on the bus, I was sprinting. Unfortunately, wellies, especially ones that your mum bought because they had growing room, have a tendency to turn you from a gazelle into a newborn deer. So one minute I was enjoying leading the pack of small children and the next minute I'd face-planted into a pile of brown stuff. I picked myself up, aided by some concerned teachers, and fortunately I wasn't hurt because whatever I'd landed in seemed to have cushioned my fall. So they wiped me down as much as they could, but I was still covered from head to toe as I clambered onto the coach. And as I got to the top of the stairs... I saw the expression on the faces of all the kids that whooshed past me shift from concern to mirth as my sister shouted, You fell in pig's poo! And I felt my face flame red and despite trying not to, my lip was wobbling and I cried. And on top of that, I spent the whole trip back sitting in the worst seat possible next to the teacher. And when I got home, I was absolutely furious with my sister. And I told mum and dad what she'd said and that I didn't want to go to school the next day because people would still be talking about it and laughing at me. And I remember my dad turned to me and he said, Sarah, if they're talking about you, they're leaving someone else alone. Which made me feel better. Because I'd always felt sorry for those kids who didn't have many friends and got bullied. So in my mind, that meant I'd be taking the heat off them. And that made me feel like a hero. So I was speaking to my dad about this memory and I asked him about where he'd picked up the saying from. He said it was Irish and his mother had said it to him and his brothers and sisters when they got picked on by kids when they were at school. Now, I can't find out where my dad's mum heard that piece of advice, but I'd imagine it could have been handed down through generations. 
So that thing that my dad told me stayed with me. And I actually think it's probably helped me because I've not been afraid to play the fool or have people laughing at me. Well, I did stand-up comedy, for, for instance. Um, as long as I stay in control, there are obviously times where I'm not that keen at being laughed at, like everyone. But it got me to wondering. And then I thought, well... If these beliefs and values that we get from our ancestors are positive and helpful, that's great. But alongside the wisdom, there is often a pile of crappy beliefs and sometimes prejudices that get handed down with them. And often we're not even aware that we've got them. For example, many of us have got hang-ups about money because of the way that our parents related to it. And that could have been going back generations. I remember one of my dad's favourite sayings about money is, life's easy for them, they're rich. Which has all sorts of baggage and assumptions and beliefs around it, which I'm sure has influenced some of my beliefs. I was doing some research for this episode and often appearing in the top three values that parents want to hand down to their kids is working hard which has condemned many of us to long hours in the pursuit of success when working smart may well have served us better. And even if we're aware of these inherited limiting beliefs, there may be some sentimental attachment to them because they connect us to our heritage, making it harder for us to let them go, even if they don't serve us anymore. So now we come back to Marie Kondo. Because I'm thinking we should treat our beliefs, whether they're handed down or created by us along the way, in the same way that Marie suggests we should handle our clothes. So the first part of her Marie process requires you to get all your clothes out of your wardrobes, drawers and cupboards and lay them all on the bed. And I think we should do the same with our beliefs and values, starting with those we inherited. Next part of the process, Marie gets you to look at each piece of clothing and decide whether it sparks joy or not. And for each item of clothing you choose to let go of, you hold it and you say, thank you. This is the bit of the process I got a bit carried away with. I had a whole conversation with every item of clothing that I was letting go of. Talk about sentimental. So once we're able to examine our inherited and other beliefs and values, In relation to where we are now and where we want to go, we can decide whether they still fit us, whether they serve us and whether they spark joy. And if they don't, then I think we should acknowledge their help in trying to protect and guide the person we were before, but to let them go because we need something and want something different now. And I realise that this is easy to say and difficult to do for a number of reasons. Firstly, because some of our beliefs may seem harmless on the surface, like money doesn't grow on trees. But when you examine them more closely, you'll see that they create negative thoughts and beliefs as a consequence. For instance, with that one, it implies that money is scarce and hard to get hold of. And if we take that belief, that money is scarce and hard to get hold of into our business, it can limit the financial success we think we can achieve. Some of them, some of these beliefs may make us feel uncomfortable because of what 
that says about us for believing them or what believing them makes them makes us feel about ourselves and some as i mentioned are hiding in the shadows and they can show up in disguise as something else and the other thing to understand about beliefs is that they're just thoughts that we've thought so often that we believe them and eventually those beliefs become default programs and they run our life let me give you some examples of these default programs showing up in disguise so i was working with a client and we were looking at different ways of launching her product all of a sudden i could see her expression change and mentally she'd gone elsewhere then she came back to the conversation and said i've just had that thought again will i be able to give enough value and we'd identified in previous sessions that this is her default programming and it often slows her down and gets in her way and can show up as overplanning and procrastination so now we've started working on dismantling it another client is the opposite in some ways she's always taking action but ends up with a million unfinished projects on the go and this is because her default program is related to money running out regardless of her bank balance especially at the moment and this drives her to chase shiny pennies at the expense of finishing projects that will give her a much bigger financial return one speaking client had a default program of i will embarrass myself and this didn't just stop her from speaking but in many areas of her life and we all have these default programs running and often they're all similar ones related to relationships uh re- with people and relationships with money self-worth self-image not being good enough and so on the trouble is that even though these thoughts surface regularly if they're hiding or in our blind spot we don't tend to see them and even if we do notice them it can be difficult to tackle them on our own and that's because they're often accompanied by an emotion that's unwanted and uncomfortable it could be anxiety jealousy fear and so on and so we distract ourselves away from these thoughts but all the while we keep thinking them and just like a file or a program we use loads on our computer our minds create a shortcut to that thought which means that we get this crap quicker and more often so if you feel you might have some default programs getting in the way of you achieving your dreams and goals and you can find a good coach for one to one or group sessions to help you identify what they are then that's great but if that's not an option for you right now then i have a book recommendation that will help you find them and start working on them too and that book is called 90 seconds to a life you love how to turn difficult feelings into rock solid confidence It's by a lady called Dr. Joan Rosenberg and it's a great book. I've got it uh because I've got these programs running too, especially about money, and I'm working through them with this book and a coach as well. So I've put a link in the show notes to the book. It is an affiliate link for Amazon, which means that uh we get a few pence in the business, but it won't cost you anything extra. Um and I wanted to share that with you. Okay, so I hope this episode has given you 
food for thought around your beliefs and default programs and what might be getting in your way or stopping you. And I'm hoping that the story prompt possibly sparked some story ideas too. So here are your takeaways. There are some brilliant things we inherit from our families, but there are also some legacy limiting beliefs that may not be serving us. Just like your clothes, it might be worth having a look through them to see if they work for you today. And if they don't, let go of them with gratitude for how they served you in the past. And know that there are some beliefs that may be hiding or disguised or maybe super uncomfortable to face and you may need some outside help to find them. Right, I'm off. Don't forget to check out the challenge. You get some life coaching with me as part of that and we may well be able to discover some hidden stuff holding you back there. And thank you again for joining me. And if you do enjoy the show, if you found this one useful, leave a review at ratethispodcast.com slash TSC. And until next time, have a wonderful week. Enjoy Thanksgiving if you're in the US. Enjoy Black Friday everywhere else. And don't forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. If you want to be more memorable and engaging when you talk, then you need to share more stories. Stories can help you better connect with your audience and their problems and get them leaning in more powerfully than anything else. And short, snackable stories are great to use in pitches, Facebook Lives, podcasts, videos, keynotes, webinars, blogs, in fact, everywhere to share your message and grow your business. The trouble is that finding your snackable stories and confidently sharing them can feel like a struggle. And that struggle can slow you down or stop you in your tracks. But that's where my free Snackable Story Challenge comes in. Over the course of just five days, I'm going to give you resources, training and coaching to help you find your authentic personal stories to share and build your skills and confidence in sharing them. Not only that, but the challenge will guide you towards a tangible result at the end and assets for you to use going forward. The next challenge is starting soon. So to grab your space, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge right now.